Welcome to the In Between Podcast. I'm Astrid. And I'm Alexis. And we're two best friends on a journey to living a fun, intentional life. We know it's easier to share on a season of life once it's behind you. But what about when you're in the middle of the growth, confusion, and decision-making? This lifestyle podcast is for the everyday gal who loves to travel, talk about business, relationships, fashion, and everything in between. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the In Between Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Astrid. And I'm the other half of the pod, Alexis. And today on the podcast, this is for the girlies who are starting a new business. So you've had a business idea, or even maybe you have a side hustle idea. You have, you're working full-time, and you have some creative energy. You want to be challenged outside of work. You want to create a side hustle. This is for you. But Asher and I are going to be talking through about five different, yeah, five different topics to consider when you're starting a business. And we hope that this gives you a good framework and, and different like considerations to think through when you're just getting started, because I know how overwhelming it can be. And this actually came from, this is, this topic came into the DMs on our podcast Instagram from one of our listeners who was like, Hey, I'm starting a business can you do a podcast on this? So yes, we can. We're doing it right now. And we really <laughs> do take all of your recommendations seriously and we you know, want more of them. So keep sending podcast episode recommendations our way. Uh, yes, absolutely. I love when we get podcast DMs on requests for topics because yeah. as we're recording, it feels like we're talking specifically to someone and one of our listeners and it's so fun. Plus, this, it's topics that we take for granted, but then yeah. whenever somebody reaches out, we're like, oh, yeah, how come we haven't talked about that on the podcast? <laughs> like, we really exactly. should have at this point. So I am super excited for that. But before we jump in, let's recap a little bit of our weekend for our friends. So we, uh, for those of you who have, have been following us along on Instagram, Alexis and I were in Dallas this past weekend. We got to speak at Boss Vision Con and uh, shout out to anyone that's been listening uh, to the to the podcast that came from the conference. We're so excited. And we got to chat on being in between life and business, got to connect with so many incredible entrepreneurs, specifically women entrepreneurs. And it was so life-giving, like hearing everyone's yes. stories, hearing, hearing their journeys, hearing where they're at in their businesses. It was just so encouraging and life-giving. Um, and then we got to do just a lot of girly things afterwards, do a photo shoot, a dinner. It was the best. Yeah, it was amazing. It, The conference itself, like the women that we got to meet were just such kind, quality real, like I did not have one surface level conversation all weekend. And I feel like that's just so beautiful. And it just says a lot about Amanda and the Dallas girl gang community. She's who put on the conference and I just love my Dallas gals. I'm like, gosh, I know I live in Houston, but dang, like <laughs> I might be driving to Dallas more and more to hang out with everybody because it was just so, it was such a reminder that I need in-person entrepreneurial community. And going to conferences and events like that, it helps you feel so seen. And I think you can get really in your head and kind of get discouraged as an entrepreneur, whether you're full-time or a side hustler like me. And it just made me feel like really rejuvenated and re like reconnected with my vision. So 
Yeah. And then we got to have a really fun um, uh, photo shoot for the podcast. And I am stoked for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's gosh, all I'll say about too. that. <laughs> yes. Stay tuned. We are so, so excited for it. But yeah, hopefully more of that in the new year. Like hopefully both of us will be able to go to more conferences in person. I felt the same way. It was yeah, I, I didn't realize how hungry I was for that in-person community. And I think coming from the corporate world, conferences were just a little bit jaded for me. And so mm-hmm. this was my first creative conference and being able to experience it in a different way with different kinds of people was very refreshing. I'm like, okay, I got to tap into that more in 2024. Yeah. And so with that being said... No, I want to I want to say one more thing. This Please. was Astrid's first creative uh, conference where she's speaking on behalf of her own business, and we like co-spoke together on the workshop, and she killed it. Like <laughs> I I know you present and all of that, and you've done that like on the corporate side, but I would it was just so cool to see you in your zone and like fully stepping into your power. And I was just like in all of you all weekend. So I I'm really glad that we got to do it together. Oh, thank you, friend. Likewise, I feel like public speaking is definitely outside of my comfort zone, but it's something that I do enjoy when I do it. It just yeah. feels scary. And you're just like, okay, well, hopefully I'll me- I, hopefully I don't mess up and hopefully I just communicate what I want to communicate. And that was right. has always been the main thing for me. It's like, I don't want to get so caught up in my own emotions and fear or like the checklist that I don't actually get the message across, which is the whole point of it is just yeah. – serving people and helping them. And so, um, yeah, I feel like that was easier to accomplish having you by my side and being able to take a beat between each other and support each other. So thank you for that. Um, well, before we jump into our topic, let's do what we're in between. And for anyone that is new around here, every episode we share what we're in between in life. So sometimes we're in between things in our life and different seasons. Sometimes it's with our career. And so we just share from a very honest space of still trying to figure things out. So do you want to go ahead and kick us off? Uh, <laughs> do you want me? Do you want me to go? <laughs> Not particularly, but yeah. You should, did you have one? Like, do you know what you're gonna say? Um, yeah, I can go. Okay, go for it. Okay, I think for me, it is. I'm in between a lot of different business ideas, and I feel like a lot of my creative friends can relate to this. Where when you I don't know, you you listen to specific podcasts and specific people online and then even conferences, like all the ideas come flooding and you're like, oh, I can do A through Z <laughs> and we never yeah. lack ideas. And so I think for me, I am just in between which of these ideas do I want to execute on? I don't want to overwhelm myself with so many things that then I don't love what I do and I'm very, very passionate about like choosing specific things to still love what I do, even when it's hard. It makes it so worth it and just being all in. And so, yeah, there's like, I have a running list of ideas that I've created from this past fall for my business. And then from this weekend, I added more and I'm like, okay, this is a good time post heavy wedding season in between years to narrow that down and bring it all in. And I think for me, the biggest filter is 
the level of execution each of those ideas will take. Some of them is just a one-time launch and my parent, my parents, <laughs> my clients can just add it on. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> That's um, but my clients can just add it on and then others are, it's just a bit different. And so, yeah, it's just hard when you're also multi-passionate and you feel your heart being pulled in a million ways. So I am in between choosing some next steps in my creative journey, um, whether that's within business or not. Yeah, that's hard, especially when like you have being a full-time entrepreneur that you are, like you can create anything that you want. You and you just have to figure out like, do you have the time, resources, and capacity for that? And like what would need to then be cut? Because we can't do everything, then something has to like capacity needs to shift, you need to hire it out or you need to stop doing it. And so there there can feel this pull or sometimes this tension between projects, between ideas, where there's like a sacrifice that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. So I feel that deeply. And also you are where you are because you have like listened to your ideas and you've executed on them. So even though it's kind of scary, you wouldn't even be where you were if you weren't such a like ideator, you know? So I feel you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I feel like the stakes just get higher and higher. And so that can be a little intimidating, but you just got to embrace the journey, take it one step at a time. And you know what? Just write out all the things. I feel like writing things out just helps clear my mind. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. What Um, are you in between? (laughs) The time has come. The time has come for me to share my in between. I would say I am in between... I think for the last couple of months, there have been a lot of different opportunities that have come my way. And I had to make some hard decisions on what my next six months looks like specifically, or just, you know, the different paths that that have come into light that I want to take and don't want to take. And so then as a result of that, I think when you have clarity, kind of similar to you, you're like, okay, now that I have this clarity, here's everything I'm going to do with it. And I'm in that like execution mode of delivering on the decision. So it's like, okay, now I've made the decision and now I need to deliver it and I need to follow it all the way through. I need to keep executing. And so that's been coming up even today, like one day back from taking a long weekend and being around so many creative entrepreneurs, I'm like, okay, what is the one thing that I want to focus on for the rest of the year in my business? And for me, that's content. And I haven't really talked about that too much, I don't think, on the podcast, but I'm really doubling down on my social media content because that's where so many of my connections and my clients come from. I think I can get distracted with other things that don't really matter and don't really move the needle. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, well, if I don't have this, this, and this done in my business, then that makes me feel like... um, kind of insecure or like lacking confidence. Mm. So what do I actually need to do uh, foundationally? And then how can I just continue to focus on creating really story focused content that is a part of my story, but also highlighting more of my clients on the coaching side and just connecting with people. Like I shared a story last week about my first business starting um, a boutique whenever I was 20 And a lot of people messaged me and said, I never knew this about you. 
And it was actually like my origin entrepreneur story. I borrowed two grand from my grandma and got my business license and started a traveling clothing boutique and did trunk shows in women's homes and on college campuses. And like, that's what got me into really seeing the freedom of being an entrepreneur. And so many of my clients even were like, I never knew this about you. And I think that sometimes as entrepreneurs, we can downplay a lot of our own origin stories and a lot of our own like foundational stories that relate to people. Yeah. But they they don't even like, they don't click for us. Like, oh, why would I share that? It's like, oh, well, actually this is super relevant and someone's going to see themselves in your story Mm -hmm. and that's how you can connect with people on on a deeper, more organic way. And so that's just been like a big shift for me in my mindset is a lot of the content that you see different entrepreneurs making, if it doesn't resonate with you, it's because maybe you have a different story to tell. Mm -hmm. And I think I've always kind of felt this like wrestle with how to show up on social media because what I was seeing in the coaching industry like didn't super resonate with me. And now I'm like, okay, what if I just told stories? Yeah. What what could that look like? So I'm leaning into that and I'm in between like story mode and then actually telling them. So like ideating and then creating the content. That post, okay, I'm going to tell you a little tidbit. That post for the, the borrowing $2,000 from my grandma and like sharing the origin story for the entrepreneur side of things. How long do you think that took me? How long? Mm-hmm. Like to create, like the graphics and like this, you know, putting it in Canva to, and all that. And posting and writing the caption and everything. Mm-hmm. Two hours? It took me three hours. Yeah. So like that's another piece of this too where I'm like, okay, that is the kind of content I really like want to, to create. And yeah. then, wow, that takes a lot of time. Like it does. the transformation really post does. took me like – two hours to make. And so it's like things like that where, you know, whenever you're just sharing cute pictures with like confidence focused, <laughs> uh, like, you know, you do, you got it girl, like really yeah. quippy, <laughs> quippy captions, like that's so easy. And, mm. uh, but it doesn't really like resonate as much. So that's what I'm in between right now. And it's been fun, but I'm like, okay, I gotta like execute it. I gotta set aside hours of time hours, to yeah. learn this skill. And then I know, and like, a month or two, maybe something that took me three hours will only take me an hour because I've built up the muscle. But right yeah. now it's just new. Oh, I love that so much. I love seeing your journey. And also I want to recall like earlier this year, you did uh, like TikTok social media challenge of posting videos every day for what was it? 90 days? 90 days. Yeah. 90 days. And I just really admire the fact that you will continuously try different things and then evaluate and see how does this align? How did this work? And I think a lot of people will fall out when just like one strategy doesn't work or one strategy didn't align. And I just love seeing you jump back into that and then being like, okay, this is aligning and looking at the data, looking at the information and, and reshifting. And as a, as creatives, we can get so many ideas but then in the execution, when it doesn't go as we planned or we're not getting the same results as somebody else with that content, then it can feel like we're the problem instead mm-hmm. of having that resiliency that I see in you of like, actually, I just wasn't using the right medium. Like 
you have such a beautiful, incredible story to tell. And I love, love hearing the insane results you're having. And it's encouraging to me too of like, okay, as I, I've grown in my business, I've kind of steered away from sharing my story, which I used to do often. I used to share often what I was learning, what I was doing and how I was overcome, overcoming. And now it's like my clients and that's that. I share a lot yeah. on the pod, but not specifically like on my feed. So yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. What a beautiful in between to have right before all the new year energy comes in. I know. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really excited, feeling very like settled. And I know that sometimes the word settle, it can have negative connotations, but I feel very like settled into my path of like, this is where we're headed and let's commit to this for the next six months, see where it leads us. And I'm just like, kind of, you know, how I like to nestle. I'm like nestling in to the vision and nestling into the plan. <laughs> and yeah, I'm loving it. So, okay. Today's topic on starting a business. I still think that if you are in the first couple months, couple years of your business, this episode will be a nice checkpoint for you. But this is specifically for people that are starting out. Um, the first one is when you have a business idea, you have this desire to start a business, I think it's really important for you to focus on what it is that you offer. So you can have a physical product. You could have a service or a mixture of both, like Astrid, a wedding photographer, brand photographer, that's a service. And there's also a physical product of that. There's like the digital assets. She can, you know, print photo books. So there's a mixture of both. For you, when you're thinking about what kind of business you want to start, start there. Do I want to have a physical product? Do I want to have a service? What I'll say about whenever you're building out your offer, what is it that I offer? Physical products require overhead. So when I started my clothing company and ran that for two and a half years, my overhead was my inventory, which is expensive depending on you know how much startup capital that you have. So even if you were to do you know batch e-commerce or whatever the inventory looks like, that is overhead to consider. And there will be more startup costs with a physical-based business because you're paying for the physical good before you can mark it up and resell it. Now then on the services side, usually that is time for money. And so there's also digital courses and things like that where you create something once and then you can sell it again and again and again. Um, there's different kinds of products here, but when it comes to services like coaching or even photography, someone's paying you for your time. You're showing up with your expertise for that allotted amount of time. And that can really vary in price point depending on your expertise. Um, but that's another potential offer to think through. So when you make that decision, do I want, what kind of product do I want to deliver? Associate the value there as well. So what kind of value is this adding to this particular person? And that'll also help you figure out who you want to serve, how you want to price, how do you want to market? But when you have a, this idea of starting a business, but you don't know what to start, I think oftentimes we jump to who we want to help or we jump to how we want to market, but we don't have a clear offer. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I help people. How do you help them? What kind of transformation mm -hmm. do you help them achieve? How are you taking them from point A to point B? Even if it's through clothing, like whatever the situation is, getting really clear on the value that you add through what it is that you offer. Mm, so good. I feel like a lot of times too, as entrepreneurs, when you're starting a business, 
you want to offer all the things because you're like, I want everyone to be my client. And so being able to right. narrow down what is your specific offer or what are the main, out of all the things that you are a boutique, like out of all the things you can offer, what are the main things you want to be known for? And so being able to identify those things can be really powerful. Plus when you're identifying your offer, like what kind of capital do you have right now to be able to get the business off the ground? So you might be extremely right. talented or the end goal is, a different product, but if you have 5K right now to start or 3K or no money and you need to start with just services for time that don't require any other um, products, then that's an indicator of where you can start. And so, for example, for me, I remember um, when I did decide to turn it into an official business, I got my camera financed, but it was 0% finance for one year. So I did the math and I figured out, okay, in four sessions, I can pay this off fully. Like no matter what, my goods, yes, it's a loan, but I can definitely pay it off in 12 months and there's 0%. So that was how I started off in my business um, because it is service, but I still needed like software and a laptop and a camera to get off the ground. (laughs) Right, right. There are startup costs, no matter, pretty much no matter what you're doing, there's some sort of, even if you are, you know, starting with coaching, you know, how, how are you going to accept payment from clients? Like there's different softwares to consider. Um, the other piece on offer is maybe you aren't exactly clear what it is that you want to offer, but you know who you want to serve. Um, I think that for me, when I came up with the idea of the clothing company, AT Avenue, I wanted to serve women like me in their twenties, in their early thirties, like who wanted affordable, trendy clothes. And I actually started with who I wanted to serve. I was like, oh yeah, there's no place to shop in our rural, you know, Midwestern town. What if I started a boutique? And so that, that it started from this gap that I noticed this need in the space, in like my environment. And then I said, okay, this is what I would offer. So sometimes it can start with who you want to serve and then you can put the offer um, after that and that could kind of yeah. help inform it. Um, you don't always have to know exactly what you want to offer prior to knowing who your ideal customer is. And that's a great seg- segue into like, who is your ideal customer and client? Yeah, for sure. I think as far as your ideal client, that was actually where I started, where I was like, okay, I have demand right now for photography and just a little recap on my journey for anyone who's just jumping into this episode, I was in corporate marketing. I was an intern and I convinced my boss to buy me a camera so that I could get better photos for our social media. And I told him I would practice on my own time and then be able to show up to work and take better photos. And so during that time, I was taking photos on the weekends and posting it on Instagram and just really having fun with it. So then people started reaching out. They started wanting to pay me. I started to try it out. And then in true Astrid fashion, I tried it out for a year before I made it official that it was a business um, because I wanted to be sure that I wanted to commit to it being a business. And so (laughs) with that, I realized, okay, if I'm going in with this, I want to be passionate about it. I want, this is the style and the vibe that I want. Like I had been a part of a few shoots at the 
at that point that I felt uncomfortable. I didn't love like the editing was really bright. Like I looked really, really pale in some of the editing. And I was like, okay, I want to offer an experience for people. Like what would it look like if they could feel like they're on a date and whenever they left their session or whenever they left their wedding day, they felt even more connected with each other. And it's kind of like your own little bubble to block out the noise. And you get genuine, beautiful photos of that moment. And that's really where I realized like you could have the most beautiful photos, but if you felt awkward in that moment, you're only going to remember how awkward you felt every time you look back at it. And so that's where I started with narrowing down my clients. I'm like, okay, what kind of people like that? And what's their style? And they also really still appreciate like fun fashion and like beautiful locations and all of this elopement style. And so a few questions to help you figure out or like narrow down your clients um, would be like, what are they specifically looking for? What are their pain points? And what fears do they have as it relates to your product? So for me, for example, is their fear is that they might hire the wrong wedding photographer and that they will feel uncomfortable and that they are not used to be in front of a camera and they'll feel really awkward. Like I hear it every single consult call. So being able to craft marketing and experiences through that was really helpful. And for me as a visual person, I just created a Pinterest board and I was like, what would I want my work to look like? And what would I want my clients to overall like the vibe to be. And I just pinned all the things, no pressure, just like having fun with it. And then I was like, okay, this is perfect. And from there on, I went to a styled shoe in in Portland, got the images that really reflected and, and really represented my ideal client. From there on, did marketing, did my first paid ad with those specific images And then I was able to do a paid ad that actually turned into results because it was so specific to that client that I had already crafted out. That's so smart. Like you sought out the aesthetic, like going to kind of a more like beautiful location. It's a styled shoot. And then you're using that to showcase the kind of work that you're capable of, even if you didn't necessarily have those types of wedding clients yet you were showing them what you were capable of. And I think a part of knowing who you want to serve and what their pain points are helps you learn how to talk to them. Mm-hmm. It, it it helps you figure out, okay, if I know what they're struggling with or I know what their fear is or what they really desire, then I can use language that really resonates with them so that when I'm talking about what I offer, I'm speaking straight to them and they can hear it. It doesn't, it's not distracting. It doesn't feel like another, you know, marketing statement. It's like, oh yeah, Astrid's speaking straight to me. And I think when you have that level of clarity, start mapping out like four or five specific touch points of how you talk about your clients. Mm -hmm. Because if you have that be too broad and you have too many almost identifiers of your ideal client, mm-hmm. it, it can it can feel too broad. And so when you're like, I help this um, this kind of person do this kind of thing to get this kind of result, it it clicks for them and they can see themselves in that marketing statement. Whereas if you're describing a lot of different potential clients that you'd like to work with, it can be really difficult for your ideal client to raise their hand and say, yeah, I know that I, you're actually for me. Yeah. Um, and it can be too confusing when you have too many different 
like client ideal statements in the market. Yeah, absolutely. And even in the service-based industry, aside from marketing itself, being able to identify who you, you serve so that when you have these console calls, you're yes. able to turn away clients. Like I have... I don't think I've ever had like a red flag client. I maybe had one client in the beginning that I didn't connect with the most, but I've never had a red flag wedding or client. And it's because I have a very thorough consult call. And I'm like, okay, this is my specific style. Here's how we get there. It's an experience. If you want something that's quick, that we're just getting the shot, that you're just smiling at the camera, that's wonderful. I'm not the photographer for you. I'm happy to make recommendations. And so insert your service in that sense. If you are heading in that direction, feel free to turn away people and you'll feel more confident in turning away people in a kind way because you're just Mm -hmm. not going to be able to serve them in the way that they're looking for. Yeah, Um, I completely agree. You want to talk about pricing? On that note, let's talk about money. (laughs) So we talked about the offer. We talked about your ideal client. Now we have to talk about pricing. How do you price your product or services? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, of course, depends on the industry. I think that being able to be really strategic about your pricing and knowing that if you are entering the market and you're newer to it, charging accordingly and that differentiates like if you don't have a lot of expertise in it and you're entering charge accordingly if you're coming from a background where you've had years of experience but you're just shifting how you offer it all those Mm -hmm. years of experience absolutely count and price yourself that way um yeah one thing that i'll say from my perspective is um whenever you're wanting to say for example work with a luxury client and and you're wanting to um, go into a market that's really, really hard to get into, price will be something that will be at your in your favor if it's hard to differentiate. And so for me, um, I went ahead and I targeted specifically Chicago and St. Louis whenever I first started working because I identified most of my ideal clients were there and I still charge a substantial amount but I wasn't charging 5K, 6K. I think at the time I was charging 3,500 for um, like an average package of weddings. And so I, and I also waived travel for them because I wanted in, I wanted to get the content. I wanted to work with great clients. I was still very thorough with taking on like who I took on. I was so picky about that, but I think it is okay. And this might be a hot take, but I think it is okay to, when you're wanting to enter that new market to do a trade, to do a collab, to do styled shoots, or to offer a discount just for that first one or first few to get your yeah. feet in the door and say, this is what I want to work. Because ultimately, especially in the services side, people want to see that you're already doing the thing that you're offering them. So they're like, okay, yeah, they're, she's qualified to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. I also think another aspect here around pricing it can can be mindset. So Asher kind of talked about the strategies, like how do you go find clients and then price accordingly based on even like geographically in cities, people are going to have maybe, maybe, maybe not, but more discretionary income to be able to afford like X package. I also think when it comes to the mindset around pricing, there can be a level of like confidence and insecurity and worth tied to how much you price your services or your products. So when you when you 
this is something I'm actively working on with clients right now and on the coaching side is they felt like they couldn't charge what they really wanted because, you know, they were feeling insecure about their business, but it had nothing to do with the way that they actually delivered the service. Mm -hmm. They were just feeling, you know, uncertain about their role in their business as a whole. And so it was showing up in their pricing. And so when we actually put down on paper, everything that my client did, and then I, then I said her original price, I said, would, if someone, if, would you hire you at this price, at this low price? And she said, no. I was like, what does that communicate to you? If you were to look at this list of services that you provide on a monthly basis, and then you have X amount of years of experience and you're charging this, what does that communicate? Well, it communicates maybe they're not that good. And I was like, yeah, but aren't you good? She's like, well, yeah, I am. I was like, okay, so we need to we need to charge pricing that also reflects the quality of service. But that was a confidence piece there of why we, you know, they were potentially undercharging. And so through that, like, look at where your confidence is. And sometimes there have been times where I've been overly confident, and I have overpriced things mm-hmm. that no one got, that no one purchased because I didn't get the marketing right. I didn't communicate the offer correctly, and maybe my audience for that offer could not invest at that particular price point as well. And mm-hmm. so we kind of have to look at our confidence radar. We don't want to be too overly confident and outprice ourselves, but we also don't want to, you know, bring that level of insecurity to pricing where we're severely undercharging, you know, what we're actually offering. Yeah. Oh, so good. I feel like the the mindset side of charging, especially when it's a service and you're like, well, it's it's just my time. Like it's fine. You're you being you're you kind of downplay what it is that you bring to the table. And with that too, I think it's important for you to add into your services, or even if you offer tangible things, all of your costs. I see so many people starting in business and not taking into account their subscription to Canva, their subscription to Adobe, like their laptop, what they need to actually function as a business. Factor that in so that you are not then running something that isn't actually making you money at the end of the day. So with that, um, our next one is consistency. So let's talk about how when you're first starting out in any business, it can feel daunting when you see so many people that you're quote unquote competing with. And I feel like being able to put your blinders on focus on what you offer, focus on who you're serving, and then be consistent, especially with your marketing is going to help because you're going to be top of mind for people whenever they're ready to buy that service. And so that was something that really, really helped me when I started in my journey. I was posting all the time. And even if I couldn't post in my feed, I was also always on stories. And so I became top of mind for people, even though I was at the time, not the best photographer, but I was like, well, I may not be the best and my confidence in my work is not the best, but I feel like I really need to focus on uh, consistency so people can see my work. Yeah. Showing up every single day in your business is key here, especially when you're starting. So I think that confidence is a byproduct of action. And when you're just getting started, every little, every little like rejection or something that doesn't go right 
or something that you thought would take you an hour took you six, those things can sometimes weigh on your confidence. And what happens when we feel insecure? Sometimes we stop showing up and we we take a break. We are like, hey, you know, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna, I don't wanna show up. I don't wanna show, I don't want anyone to see me right now. I'm feeling unconfident in my business. So I think what I love what you said, Astrid, is you said at that time when I was being consistent, you're like, I wasn't maybe the best, you know, certainly not as amazing. Like, you know, it takes years to build that expertise, but you're like, and maybe I wasn't even feeling the most confident in my business, but I continued to show up because I wanted to be top of mind and I wanted to show people my work ethic and my consistency and the fact that I was like putting in reps, if you will, of going to the gym, like social media similar to building a movement habit, like social media and marketing is that same sort of consistency. You're putting in reps over time. And so if you go to the gym for a week and you expect results, I'm sorry, but Mm -hmm. like you might feel better mentally, but that takes time. It takes repetition. It takes consistency for you to, to feel stronger, for you to build muscle. Same with social media. You have to consistently show up again and again and again in order to yield results from that consistency. And you'll build strength, you'll build inquiries, you'll build new business because you showed up for six months and you didn't stop. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like the results are there because you put in the reps. Like oftentimes my mindset around consistency with social media in particular is like, well, I put a lot of effort into that one post. Like why didn't it lead to anything? Or like, you know, I shared that one story and I really wanted that to resonate and it didn't. And no one booked any inquiry calls with me. Like you get discouraged and you kind of want to dip out. And I think that's when you really need to lean in and say, okay, well, I'm committed to making this work. And so Mm -hmm. what, what can I tweak and experiment with? Because I need to stay consistent here. I can't ebb and flow because I think that shows that like, you're not that serious about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that you touch base on that of like being able to be consistent enough and not hold so much value to one post. Cause I was thinking back Mm -hmm. to when I first started and I was also, when I would post my work, I would just feel so vulnerable. I'm like, oh my gosh, these photographers I admire are going to see it and see that I suck. And it was just like this stressful thing every time I posted. And there was times that I wasn't the best at being consistent. So I think something that helped me and for whoever this might help as well is redefining success, especially when you're starting out and maybe you're not getting the inquiries or getting the 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 sales that you want is, okay, if that resonated with one person, if one person liked it, like we can undermine how much like likes can mean. But if you're showing up as your true self and you're like, you know what, when I go to my page, I feel like it genuinely reflects the best parts of my business and myself. That's something to be so proud of and just trust that your ideal client is going to come with time because hard work will pay off. And that's okay. Maybe right now you're refining and the people that followed you before that aren't for your business aren't resonating with it. And you just need to find your people. And that's also a very hard thing that it's not tangible and it's not easy to see. But when you're pivoting or when you're starting something new, it it takes a little bit to get you in front of the people that you want to serve. So um, don't be discouraged and definitely realign your goals with that. Agreed. And I... I wanted I want to say one more thing on that is we can sometimes measure success through social media consistency by numbers 
and like, oh, that post didn't do very well or, oh, like my, the view on that reel didn't do very well. But a lot of times there are lurkers to our content. And we, Astrid and I just heard this at this past week's Boss Vision Con conference. It takes seven intentional touch points for someone to make a buying decision. And that's seven touch points of someone actually seeing your content and interacting with it and whether they're reading it or viewing it. And so you're going to put out so much content and sometimes people don't see it. Sometimes people lurk. You never know what's going to really click with people and what's going to make them say, okay, you know what, Astrid, yes, I want to work with her. But a lot of times that takes time. And I was my business coach right now, she just posted something on her Instagram this morning that a reel that only got like 250 views led her to a new client um, that was a $2,500 package, like a $2,500 coaching package. And that was on a reel that hardly had like any views on it. And they said, oh yeah, I saw this one reel that you posted. And she's like, oh, I almost took that down. Like I almost deleted it because Mm -hmm. of how low performing it was. And like that really hit me. I was like, okay, this is about consistency. It's about putting out like really consistent, meaningful content that's related to the business and letting that do the work it needs to do and not not rate it based on how well it performed. Yes. Oh, the algorithm do- works magic, honestly. And I relate to your coach so much because I have almost taken down posts on TikTok specifically where I'm like, I shared this wedding and no one likes it. <laughs> like It's literally like just my friends liking them, which I love them, but you know, you need business. And so over time though, it works like a search engine. So the couples getting married in Miami were searching wedding photographer. And while that post itself isn't viral, I have booked some of my largest like uh, packages out of some of the top venues in Miami for next year off of one TikTok that still to this day is not like top performing. And so people use it as a search engine, especially if you're in the wedding industry or like in the travel industry, like if you're sharing a restaurant or sharing things like that, people use it as a search engine. So just post and being able to really shift your mindset for them. Like, you know what? The sales are coming in. It's okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love that. Okay. Shifting to our last piece here on branding. Yes. Branding. Oh my gosh. So branding can sometimes just feel a overwhelming, be like, you have to do all the things. And if you're a perfectionist, like you have to not only do all the things, but do them perfectly and do them well. And so one thing that I think is important with branding is it's basically the way that you are representing yourself and your brand and how you want people to speak about your brand. And so I'm a strong believer that it's better to do a few things and do them really, really well than do a million things. And then it's harder to recuperate from what people now perceive about your brand after that's already been done. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be an accurate representation of you. And so a few things that I wanted to share here is if you are starting your business, um, free yourself from like having to have a full blown website. There are so many great template websites out there. Squarespace being one of them. I used that when I started, you just need like somewhere where people can reach you and actually take action on. And then when it comes to like your social media and your graphics, like there's so many great tools now like Canva that you can use. And so if you're able to invest in someone to design your logo and someone to get you a brief branding, that would be of course ideal. But if you're down to bare bones, 
grab a Pinterest board, grab some colors, like get your own aesthetic started, get a logo started on Canva or, or paying someone for it and then use a template website. I think Squarespace is like 20 bucks a month or $15 a month or something like that, where you can still represent Mm -hmm. your brand well. And then as your business grows, that will grow with you and you'll do it even better. But I also don't, I, I would advise personally, I guess just like, I'll just get it done and then we'll fix it later. And then it's done scrappy because from a branding perspective, it can be very hard to recuperate that, uh, perception from a, of your brand. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. When another, other few questions you could ask yourself is how do you want your brand to feel? So when someone looks at it, what do they feel when they look at it? What do they think? What words do they associate with your brand? So whether that's your brand colors or your brand logo, and then how how does your brand itself connect to your ideal client? Going back to what Astrid said, so if you're trying to attract a, you know, if you have a higher end priced product or service, how does your brand reflect that? Whereas if your brand is like I don't know neon orange and I don't know neon yellow together, and you're trying to attract like luxury clients. Like, okay, that those colors aren't really what I associate with luxury. Um, so thinking about the color scheme and the font and the way that you put your digital assets together for your brand, is it attracting the kind of client that you are trying to attract at a specific price point? And then another aspect here is ask for input. When it comes to our brand, we can be very close-chested because it's our baby. We're building something. We we feel like we almost need to have this big reveal. Yeah. But through, if I could give you one personal branding piece of advice or branding in, in general over the last 10 years of building different businesses or side hustles, it's that I get the most outpouring of support when I bring my community along with me. So even if you have 50 followers on your Instagram account, share with them, hey, I'm building this new company, I'm building this new brand, and I want your input. Will you vote? Put up a poll, ask people for their input, get them responding, get them engaged because now they're on this journey with you and they're they're rooting for you now because you've let them in. Whereas whenever we make business decisions and we're, we're rebranding and we're trying to um, – have it feel secretive or mysterious, sometimes there can be a disconnect. And your best advice about where to go with your brand might come from people who already are in your like network that yeah. already follow you. So I think that's something that can really help you build a movement mm-hmm. with your brand and with your business because people feel like they're a part of that journey with you instead of, oh yeah, this is something I'm doing surprise, which mm-hmm. is still exciting. And that's, that's, has its own strategy attached to it. But I think if you're just getting started, there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity to let people in, to give you, you know, valid feedback if you're open to it. Yes. I love that so much. I feel like whenever we're able to make it more of collab, a collaboration with our customers, a collaboration with our, our people, they're so excited to cheer you on to when the product drops or whenever you drop a service, they're like, I helped vote for that logo. I helped vote for those colors. Yes. I feel like I am a part of it. I can't remember the statistic, but I remember uh, hearing that 
um, it might be related to like the seven touch points. Um, but the more that a customer engages with your brand by voting on it, by reading what, where your journey's at and all of it, they're going to be more ready to make that purchasing decision by the time that the product actually launches, which is why pre-sales are yeah. so successful because everyone's voting and signing up and they're just in the hype of it. Um, the other thing I was going to yeah. say- That was branding. actually something- Go ahead. That was something I was going to- add for this podcast we we asked our podcast followers <laughs> we didn't have very many at the time and i think we put it on our personal instagrams as well yes. we asked people to vote on what cover photo should be on the podcast thumbnail and then we had a reveal and you know there was just a level of excitement there that it, it's fun when you can bring people along with you and build a community Yes, absolutely. Um, the last thing I'll say on branding too is if you feel like the branding piece is a bit overwhelming or is something that just doesn't come naturally to you as far as graphics and colors and all that stuff, um, adding on to what Alexa said, like for sure, reach out to your community and people for input. Another thing that has helped me when I was shifting my photography style was Pinterest. Like if you want, if like I am starting to shift more into the luxury market for photography, I'm looking at photographies of how luxury brands are shot. And that has really helped me when I go into wedding days of how to shoot specific details, how to shoot specific things to have a visual representation of it. So if your brand is bold and fun and very colorful, look at those brands, even if they're not in your same industry, how do they do packaging? How do they do their social media? What kind of fonts do they use? Are they using retro? Are they using like more minimalistic and start paying attention to those details. But sometimes it's just hard to come up with stuff just from scratch. Like it's a canvas instead of just drawing inspiration from brands that have been here for many years and have experts on it as well. And again, draw inspiration. Do not copy. We do not support that. <laughs> no, we do not. Please lean into your own individuality and have your own, uh, have your own brand, have your own copy and all of that. Uh, well, I hope this has been helpful because I think whatever you're just starting out can be very overwhelming and you feel like you need to focus on so many different things. But Astrid and I tried to synthesize this all down into five core considerations when you're starting your business. And I'm excited because the next couple episodes, we're going to be talking about how to manifest more abundance and like that abundance mindset in your life and business. And then we'll also be doing kind of year in review of like, okay, we're wrapping up with 2023. How do we prepare our mindsets for what's to come? How do we look at what we, we've learned? How do we assess what we want to do differently in our businesses? And I'm really excited for that episode in particular. And we'll be taking a season break over the holidays and we'll be coming back um, strong in January. I'm so excited for the new year already. But we're just so thankful that you're here and that you're a part of the In Between podcast community. And so if you love the show or this is your first time listening, it would mean a lot to us if you rated us on the podcast player that you're listening to. Those ratings really help us, especially when it comes to search engine um, optimization inside of podcast players, just in case you're wondering, like, why do ratings, why do ratings matter? Um, it helps with searchability. So just really appreciate you being here. And if you want to connect with us further, you can do that on Instagram at inbetween.pod. Again, this literal podcast topic came from a recommendation from someone that follows us on Instagram. So 
love connecting with you there. And if you want to connect with me personally, you can do that at Alexis Teichmiller. And you can reach me at Astrid Johanna Photo on Instagram. And like we mentioned, you can connect with us on our pod Instagram. We would love to hear what topics do you want us to talk about next year? Like whether it's on the business side, career, life, relationships, we're going to start mapping those out and would love your input for that. Um, and if you know a friend that's starting a business, share this with them. And we cannot wait to chat with you next time.